Welcome to the Day on Broadway for Friday, April 12, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. As we told you yesterday, I am here on my own because last night James went and saw Sexy Oklahoma on Broadway, or as he texted me after the show was over, Angry Oklahoma. Now, I don't know if he meant angry as in the disposition of some of the characters in the show or the way that this production made him feel, but either way, I guess it could be accurate. Anyway, let's get on to the news. Well, this first story was only a matter of time, as we've been telling you this was practically a done deal for quite a while now, but it was finally made official yesterday as the producers for Tina M. the Tina Turner musical confirmed that the show will make its Broadway premiere this fall at one of Broadway's biggest houses, the Fontaine Theater. The show will begin performances on October 12th and will open on November 7th. Tickets will go on sale to the general public on June 7th. As previously announced, Tony and Olivier nominee Adrian Warren will reprise her celebrated title role, and the rest of the cast will be announced soon. The musical features a book by Katori Hall, more on her in a few minutes, and is directed by Phyllida Lloyd, meaning that if Jagged Little Pill, which is directed by Diane Paulus, does come to Broadway next season as they have announced their intentions to, there will be at least two musicals directed by women in the 2019-2020 season, which is twice as many as there are in our current 2018-2019 season, but, you know, at least if you're going to have one female-directed musical, of course it's going to be one of the greatest shows of all time and is going to win the Tony for Best Musical, Town. So, hey, maybe let's have some more shows directed by women, please. Uh, anyway, so as I had to update this in my real estate spreadsheet, I realized that there are a ton of houses that are going to become vacant at some point between June and September. By my count, there are 11 houses that are going to have shows vacating sometime during the summer. Now, some of those shows will undoubtedly extend, perhaps even some all the way to Labor Day, and many of those houses probably already have a pretty good idea what their next show is going to be. But for the real estate nerds like me, that means that the way that this season's schedule has unfolded, it will lead to a lot of news of productions over the summer, or at least in theater. Who knows? Things are always crazy during the summer. Maybe that will start after the Tony nominations are announced in May, or maybe it'll happen after the Tonys. But with nearly a dozen theaters needing to find fall tenants, not counting any shows that have to close before Labor Day creating more vacancies, that means that we should have a steady flow of show and casting news starting sometime in the next few months, and I am here for it. Bring it on. Something else that I'm very much here for is the Tony Awards, and yesterday the Tony Awards Administration Committee announced their third set of rulings on the season, and they were doozies. If you remember last time uh, they did one of these, King Kong was conspicuously not included, even though the show's opening fell within the period that they were discussing. Well, have no fear, Kongers. I don't know if that's their stand name or not, but I'm calling them that anyway. Um, but The Great Apes Show was included in this set of rulings, along with Choir Boy, True West, Be More Chill, Kiss Me Kate, Ain't Too Proud, and What the Constitution Means to Me. King Kong stars Christiani Pitts and Eric William Morris will be eligible for their respective Best Actor and Actresses categories, as will Choir Boy's Jeremy Pope, Be More Chill's Will Rowland, Ain't Too Proud's Derek Baskin, and What the Constitution Means to Me's Heidi Schreck. Corbin Blue, despite being above the title, will be considered eligible for the Best Supporting Actor in a Musical category. All other rulings were in accordance with their opening night credits. Now, those are all fine. Those are the normal category rulings. 
But in addition to that, there were some fascinating rule changes that were announced as well. Beginning immediately, which means this season, if a show wins in either the best play revival or best musical revival category, but has never been eligible for best play or musical thanks to the Tony eligibility rules, the author or authors of said show will be considered Tony winners along with the producers as long as the authors are still alive at the time that the production receives its classification as being only eligible for a revival. So what that means is that this year, Mark Crawley and Kenneth Lonergan will both be awarded Tony awards along with their producers if either the boys in the band for Crawley or the Waverly Gallery for Lonergan wins best revival of a play. But that's not all. If a show in the best revival categories, play or musical, has been, quote, substantially reworked in the determination of the committee, the authors of the show will also be considered Tony winners if the show takes the trophy, even if they were previously eligible for that same show or even won for the show previously. So Harvey Firestein will receive yet another Tony award if Torch Song wins best revival of a play because it was so heavily reconstructed even though he won the 1983 Tony Award for Best Play for Torch Song Trilogy. Now, this to me is a long time coming, and the debate about these types of rule changes really came to the forefront of the theatrical community's conversations, I think, after Hedwig and the Angry Inch won for Best Musical Revival, even though it had not yet previously been eligible in the new musical categories on Broadway, including, of course, Best Book and Score, which meant, of course, that John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask were never eligible to win for the show. Mitchell did receive a special Tony in 2015, but it was for his return to the title role on stage in the show as a replacement, but not actually writing the show. But it is crazy to think that the writers for Hedwig, which is a show that's so ingrained in the fabric of a generation of theater goers and theater makers, were never actually able to win a Tony for writing the show. Well, if the revival had happened this season instead of 2014, maybe they would have been, of course. If it had happened this season instead of 2014, maybe this rule change never happens, but you know what I'm saying. Of course, if Hedwig gets another revival during their lifetimes, maybe they'll be eligible to win then. I had a brief exchange with Timeout's Adam Feldman about this rule change on Twitter yesterday, basically trying to gauge why the writers couldn't just be made eligible in the writing categories if they'd never been eligible for them before. Of course, that would only apply to musicals, as there's no specific writing category for plays, which is dumb, but Adam brought up a good point that because, by definition, the shows that are considered revivals despite never having been on Broadway are already part of the theatrical repertoire, then it is pretty familiar to voters and therefore might have an unfair advantage in the best book or best score categories, giving it a leg up on its newer competition, which I get. So I guess this is a logical compromise, and uh, this is a finally a, a good step forward for the Tony Administrative Committee to recognize the authors that contribute so much to the theatrical canon. Now, can we talk about the best script of a play, best ensemble, best chorus, best replacement categories, please? No? Okay, moving on. So yesterday, Lin-Manuel Miranda broke some news all on his own by tweeting out the names of the four leads for the upcoming In the Heights film. We already knew that Hamilton alum Anthony Ramos would be playing Usnavi, and that stage and screen star Corey Hawkins would be playing Benny, but we learned yesterday that Melissa Barrera will be playing Vanessa, and Leslie Grace will be playing Nina. 
Barrera is a Mexican actress and singer who is known for a handful of telenovelas in Mexico, but attended the Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. And Grace is a singer-songwriter who has had three songs hit number one on various U.S. charts, most of them Latin or tropical, but uh, still pretty impressive. Lynn also showed a picture from behind the scenes of the quartet at a recent rehearsal and confirmed that the film is still on track to be released on my birthday next year, June 26th of 2020. This news came on the heels of an article from Collider, which uh, mentioned the fact that Leslie Grace might be playing Nina, but also reported that Jimmy Smits was in talks to play Kevin Rosario, Nina's father, which I think would be quite fantastic casting. So, um, movie casting gods, uh, let's wrap up the casting for In the Heights. I want to know who's playing Abuela Claudia and everybody else. Um, let's fill in the blanks on the West Side Story remake casting. I think we need Riff and some of the other uh, sharks and jets. Uh, and then let's get to the cast for Tick, Tick, Boom, okay? Thanks. All right, up next, yesterday, New York Signature Theater announced six works for the 2019-2020 season, including two productions by Anna DeVere Smith, world premiere plays by Katori Hall and Dominique Moriso, a New York premiere from Lauren Yee, and a new production of a Pulitzer Prize-winning play by Horton Foote. The two shows by Smith will be Fires in the Mirror, directed by Sahim Ali, and Smith's Twilight, Los Angeles, 1992, directed by Tavi Magar. The Lauren Yee Show will be the much-heralded New York premiere of Cambodian Rock Band, directed by Che Yu. Katori Hall's world premiere will be The Hot Wing King, directed by Steve H. Broadnax III. And Morisot's world premiere Confederates will be directed by Camilla Forbes. Michael Wilson will direct Fort's classic The Young Man from Atlanta. Now, I've got to say, I, I mentioned female-directed musicals on Broadway earlier in the show, and while Broadway still has a long way to go in terms of representation in a lot of areas, uh, I have to hand it to Signature for not only programming a season almost entirely of plays by women, or at least this section of the season, but of women of color, and having all but one of them directed by people of color as well. Uh, that's incredibly exciting and makes me very proud to not only buy tickets to see shows at Signature, but also to buy things at their cafe and their bookstores when I need a place to hang out in Midtown. So I uh, set up shop in their second floor lobby. Thanks for the free Wi-Fi, Signature. Much appreciated. Okay, on Tuesday, the cancer support community will host its annual spring celebration at the Lighthouse on Pier 61 in New York. And the evening will in part honor the late Marin Maisie, who was active in the organization before her passing. As previously announced, the organization will present the first-ever Marin Maisie Award for Empowerment to Maisie's King and I co-star and myeloid leukemia cancer survivor, Tony nominee Ashley Park. Tony winners Donna Murphy, Deborah Monk, and Karen Ziemba will also be on hand to perform a musical tribute to Maisie. Marin's husband, the great Jason Danieli, will be on hand to introduce the performance by the three Tony winners, and he will present the award to Park. We will have a link to purchase tickets in the show notes if you would like to support the organization and attend. And finally, in an effort to put pressure on me to finally get a subscription, yesterday Audible announced that they would continue their efforts to record audio versions of plays by bringing David Jabberbaum's In Act of God to the streaming service, starring Sean Hayes, who did the return engagement on Broadway, along with Cheyenne Jackson and Coleman Domingo as his angels. The show will be available to stream on June 4th. Folks, that's all I've got for today. Thank you for spending some of your Friday with me. Don't forget that James and crew will be back with you on Sunday for this week on Broadway. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And while I've got you here, go ahead and head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us, won't you? We'd sure appreciate it. Anyway, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.